I'm excited to be here with both of you today here at the Crusheration Podcast. And for those of you that are new listeners, the Crusheration Podcast is all about talking to people that are crushing it personally and prof- uh, professionally making a difference. And specifically, what are the things that they're doing that allow them to keep crushing it? So today, I'm here with Jess Hasso and Kristen Hofert-Redlinger in South Dakota, and we're going to talk about leadership, we're going to talk about curiosity. Each of these women has a great background and strong leadership background, uh, executive level at the Fortune 500 company where uh, we all know each other from. Uh, So let's, uh, let's have some fun today. Excited to be here with both of you. We're pretty pumped about it too, Will. We are. Well, let's start with this concept, Kristen. I'm fascinated what you said of being willing to evaluate your beliefs or conviction or maybe even being wrong sometimes. Like, tell us a little bit more. What does that mean to you? So one of my core values is curiosity. We were kind of talking about that before. Um, And we only know what we know. So as leaders, as people, as humans, right? So being able to, as you get more facts, as different things come up. um, So I was telling you guys that sometimes it's not that I don't have conviction or resolve in my beliefs. It's that my beliefs are flexible sometimes if I get more data or information. So I might have a belief, but if I get more facts, um, something comes to my attention, something I didn't know, then I'm able to shift it pretty, I mean, just has seen it happen pretty easily, but it's based on the new information that I didn't have before. And that doesn't mean that I'm not convicted. It just means that I'm flexible in my thinking. You know, I have a, so I have a science brain, right? Like my, my background is in science. And so I think that that is the philosophy a lot of times that we both end up taking on things is how do you scientifically look at something? Like you make a hypothesis about how this might go, you gather information and data, and you may or may not be correct about it. And so as we move through like relationships, as we move through the work that we're doing, no matter if it's it's related to recruiting or development or whatever, like we might walk into it thinking it's going to end one way and then have to go, okay, now I need to shift how, how the situation is looking. So, yeah, I mean, Kristen probably does it a little better than I do. I'm, I'm a little bit more rigid, like, to be honest. Um, but like to have somebody on the team that is able to do that really well and, and exhibit like, this is why I maybe shifted or made an adjustment in this space has been really great on a team perspective, because it allows for us to look at things through a different lens. And they keep me, to, I mean, ground, grounded sometimes too, because I do, sometimes my thinking different is really different, um, but it's, so you guys help me stay somewhat normal, <laughs> you know, uh, together, yeah, together, yep. Well, so there's a great balance between the two of you and, and on the team to, to be open to new ideas and yet know, it, it sounds like you say, look, we're curious. We know what, what our beliefs are, what our values are, but when new information comes in, we evaluate it scientifically and with, with curiosity. I mean, is that, is that more or less how you're thinking about it? Absolutely. And I mean, you know, something that with a lot of the DE&I um, work is, you, I mean, you have the right to change your mind. You get new data, change, it's okay. You know, it doesn't mean anything less of you. You just only know what you know until you know something more. As long as you're curious and continue to educate yourself in all realms, whether it's DE&I work or leadership or anything, then I mean, you, if you don't change after you learn something new, that then you're not growing. I mean, then you're dying, right? So, you know, I, I just discovered this book. It's called the, the Scout Mindset. You guys may have heard of it, but the a big part of it's like uncertainty. So we tend to think the person 
um, is insecure if they're uncertain about, if we're uncertain about them because they're not experienced and so on, that, that's one thing. But they use an example of Amazon and how Jeff Bezos was like, hey, this is 30%. I think this thing will work. And, and they're like, you told investors that? I was like, well, yeah, like they know it doesn't always work, you know, but they, they believed in him and he made the uncertainty make sense. That's, that's what made me think of it. It's like, uh, we're not, we're, we're still confident. In fact, I would say we're more confident when we're not like stuck in something that, you know, everybody knows isn't true anymore, which can happen. You know, it's really interesting that you said that. So like the, it, it made me think of a conversation that Kristen and I just had recently of, about one of the leaders in our organization um, who has been my sponsor through a lot of the work that I've been doing, right? And so I think we actually just talked about this yesterday. And when you have like that belief in somebody and the ability to see them be successful, kind of like this analogy you just gave with Jeff Bezos, like we talk a lot about Chris and his sponsorship of my leadership journey. And like, how did you say it yesterday? Yeah, so so I'm trying to say it the right way. So I, and Chris is amazing. So I just want to say that too. But um, so in the, in the organization that we're part of, Jess would be considered kind of a non-traditional leader because she didn't, she wasn't a producer or she wasn't on the ground floor to start with, right? She started in a different role and worked her way up through differently. And so we were talking about how, although Chris, maybe at the time, he does now, at the time, maybe did not see that as a non-producer, it was going to work, right? Like, like the field kind of saw as a non-producer, is it really going to work? But here's the thing, he, he believed in her. And to anybody outwardly to what we would call our corporate or our home office or any person anywhere, he, he with resolve said, I believe in Jess, Jess can do this. She's the one, even if he didn't believe in himself because she, he believed in her until he did believe because then he's, then he's not working. But, but I mean, he, he did believe in her first. So it was enough, even though he is, I would say uh, he's, he's flexible in some of it, but he's got a lot of conviction too, um, but able to see it in the people. I don't know if that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. 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 So like, just like the belief in the belief in someone to, to move forward with an idea that maybe is a little bit different. Right. And, and I think that as we move through, like specifically the DE and I work here, and as it relates to people being in different roles and different um, situations and understanding how we come into the spaces that we're in, like that, that we need people like Chris who are going to sponsor individuals like us to help move forward. Um, my, so my background is I started working at a front desk role. Like, I, I mean, a few people probably know that in, in our organization, but I started working at the front desk and I was an assistant for the leader of our organization. And so um, that didn't last a super long time because um, <laughs> at the time uh, the, the organization leader and I sort of butted heads a little bit. Um, we, were, we were wired really, really similar and, um, and I was not very good at keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> and, and he thought that a, you know, a, my role was maybe to be more, more seen. And this, is less this is pre Yeah, this is pre pre um, and so, so that's actually where Chris and I started working together. And Chris saw from the start of my career that I was really driven and wanted to do more and started investing time and energy into my development really, really early. And so from, from, I mean, 11 and a half years ago, he started that journey with me. And as he grew as a leader, so did I. 
And I think that philosophy of growth and change for both of us was really, really critical in how we came to be in this relationship and how we came to be leaders together. And if you asked him, like, what is this number one value? What is the thing that really helped us through all of this? It would be trust. Trust that I was always going to deliver for him. Trust that we were always going to be there for each other. Trust that there was going to be transparency in how we operated in our relationship. Um, and that, I think, has been really critical in my success and in his. And now we fast forward all these years later. He was appointed in his position in 2016. And like Kristen mentioned, really was my champion and sponsor into this role that I'm in now as a leader where there wasn't women that came from roles like mine um, in the past. So it's pretty, it's pretty badass, really. Yeah. <laughs> It's totally badass. I mean, so one thing I, I think about this a lot, like, because I've been in this situation, I know we all have where you have uh, expertise in a certain domain, and you go somewhere else and they don't, they, and Kristen, you know, we were talking about that a little bit a minute ago, and you could share that example too. But like, in other words, I know I've been successful over here and I come over here and nobody knows me. So they discount me and they're like, well, who is that person? And we tend to assign people, oh, well, you're in this role, therefore you can't do this. But what, what I love about that story is Chris saw potential and he said, wait a second, wow, we're fortunate that Jess is here um, because I see so much more for her and, and you guys trust each other to do it versus, you know, the, I mean, the, the stereotypical thing in our, you know, world that we're in is like, you know, there's basically white guys that do stuff and like all stuff. And it's like ridiculous because like, it doesn't make any sense. And so I'd love for you guys to talk about your work with, um, you know, the uh, DEI, the inclusion, diversity, and, and, and how to empower women. And, and by the way, for everybody listening, these two ladies and Chris and others on the team have put South Dakota on the map within a large uh, organization. I mean, I knew where South Dakota was, I've been there, but what I'm saying is like, you guys are crushing it at a level that is uh, significant and people are noticing it. It's like, you don't have to be in a big city to have big results. I mean, that's one takeaway that I'm having. So uh, Kristen, what was that example you were sharing about like how in some organizations it's accepted that salespeople aren't the ones that need to do everything. And by the way, like, I don't know how to do anything you guys know how to do. Like I know how to sell stuff and talk, but like to, to recruit people and get them to work, like not going to happen. And I think a lot of people that produce have the same <laughs> skills that I do, which has nothing to do with leadership. Well, I mean, so this is just an example. Um, so yesterday, Will had left us a voice uh, text and it had said, you know, kind of your journey as non-traditional leaders. So I come um, prior to this, I was an executive for Clinique. So uh, that's, you know, the number one, I don't know if I can say companies, but number one cosmetic company in the world. Um, and I was an executive for the Pacific Northwest. So, I mean, I felt like I was a leader that I came here and I was a manager of a store of 250 employees. So again, felt like a leader, but then to be classified as like a non-traditional leader, I just, it's, I was just more curious. It's very interesting to me to kind of get the scope of thought. So I I called Jess yesterday and said, you know, what's really interesting, we've talked about this before as she's grown, because um, I want to advocate for her and champion for her. And you know, she had imposter sy syndrome. So this is what I always give her as an example. So my husband works for a company um, and they, they were family owned. They got really big. They're international. And he is currently the number one salesperson for, for the entire North America, right? Um, and he is the national sales director for this company. So the company had grown to a, such a big size. They decided, you know, instead of the family 
taking on the responsibilities, they really needed to bring in a CEO, right? They didn't go to my husband and say, hey, you are the best salesperson we've ever had. You helped us grow. We would love for you to be the CEO and take us to the next level. Uh, not that he couldn't, but it's probably not his skill set, I would say. Instead, they went out and looked for a CEO that had taken companies to the next level that had those skills and brought the CEO in. So when the CEO started, they didn't say, okay, you know, CEO, you are a non-traditional leader because you did not sell concrete screens to people. I mean, he came in as the leader of the organization. So I'm not saying anything is right or wrong. It's just curious the different ways that people look at different things. The number one salesperson isn't always the number one leader. They can be. They're leading by example. If they have the ability to, you know, I mean, really, if you're the number one salesperson and you have, you're curious and you can find out somebody's why, and dig into their why and inspire them to be great like you, absolutely, then you're inspiring others to be successful. But leading by example and telling people what to do isn't the way of the world anymore. I mean, honestly, like um, we were talking about this too. So, you know, in our organization, we have extremely high expectations. So like, will I have very high expectations of you, no matter what your background is, no matter where you come from, I need you to hit those high expectations. They don't change because you are a different candidate. They don't change because you're not our typical population. It's the same, how I coach you might be different, right? I'm curious, I find out your why, I, you want this grand life and this beautiful life for your family and your friends. And then the way that I would coach you would be like, okay, so Will, this is the life that you want. I know how to get you there. These are the actions, which are the same actions for everyone. These are the actions that you take to be able to get this most successful life. I know because we've seen it, right? And you might, you might say things a little different or get there a little bit of a different way, but I want to help you create the life of your dreams. So Will, do I have permission to hold you accountable to creating this beautiful life? Absolutely, Kristen, hold me accountable. Then if you if you don't hit it, it's not, it would be so unkind of me to just let you fail. So of course I would I would tie it back to Will, this is the life that you want. And this is how you get there. Like I'm I care about you. So I'm holding you accountable to this expectation. So it DE and I is not about having to change everything. I mean, you should do that as a human, whether it's a you know a white straight man or or a woman or whatever, um, but it's, everyone should be coached based on them, not based on us and for them, right? Coach for people. I totally just tangented the whole thing. I'm so sorry, I went way off track. <laughs> well, I think, so like, I think what Kristen like is talking about a little bit here is like, what what is the leadership philosophy and, and how do we think about things differently and, and, and like backtracking into the scope of like, that I'm probably good at different stuff than sales people, which is, part of my inherent value as a leader, right? Um, and so we talked again after our conversation a little bit with you, which was like, what, how do we lead? And what, what makes us special? And how do we show up differently? And like Kristen just said, basically hers, right? Like she leads through kindness and I lead through love. And that looks different maybe than the traditional way of leading by example, or like, I'm going to lead from the front by showing you all of these cool things that I can do. And there is nothing wrong with that. In We're fact, we're going to lead from the front to show you the cool things we can do. <laughs> yeah, we totally are going yeah, to do that too. Um, but like the philosophy of how I lead people is to encompass them with love. And that is my number one core value. And I'm going to love you into this business. And I'm also going to love you out if it's not the right the right thing. And, and my business coach talks a lot about um, tying intention to behavior, which is, you know, how we, we move our clients through our process. That is how we move our candidates into a career. That is how we move our, our, our sales force through their lifetime opportunity here. 
And that is just about untying their behaviors to their intentions. So what is that vision? What is the thing you want out of your life? And how do I love you the most to get you to do that? So that's, I think that's, yeah. Is that what we were trying to say? Yeah, I maybe. Well, I love that. I'd, all right, so let's expand on it. Cause I think people, um, people think of accountability or at least I have in the past, like, oh, that's negative. You're just gonna hammer me, you know, versus like, love and kindness so uh Jess what does love mean to you uh, I'd love for you both to expand on what love means and what kindness means in, in the context of let's say when things aren't going uh, as planned with the the person and their growth yeah it, if I love somebody really fervently I love them enough to give them the feedback that they need to hear to make corrections in their business or in their behavior and they know that in the delivery of what I'm about to say is that I care about you and I care about your family. I care about you making a really strong living and I care about you tying yourself to this vision long-term. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say to you, hey, you're not living up to the expectations that you, you said to me that you wanted to get to this vision. You're not living up even to the expectations maybe of this firm. And in that context, we can't allow that to happen. And what do you need from me to help you make sure that this happens going forward? And that sometimes is, hey, I might need some help with some language. I might need, I might need you to phone with me. I might need you to help me develop COIs in the community. I might help need help connecting to another leader or really great joint work partners. Um, and sometimes that is, and sometimes it's also helping them leave the business. And we have to just know that um, we want them to always leave us as friends of the firm. We want them to be our advocates and we always want them to, to be part of us forever. And that's what it means to love somebody is that they're never gonna feel a bad taste in their mouth, that they have enough personal accountability to what they're doing in their career selection, that they leave uh, feeling great if that's the right thing, or they stay and they high five me every day about how dope this career is and how, and the impact that they're making in their communities and the income that they're making for their family and the, the cool ass philanthropy stuff that we get to do and like this, all of the greatness, right? So it can be either side, right? Um, or somewhere in the middle where it's got to be sort of that sandwich of get it together, but also I love you. And this is still really great. That makes total sense. And Kristen, I mean, what would you add to that from a kindness standpoint? Is, that, is it, you guys, you think of it pretty similarly and how you're being kind to them is actually helping them get past something hard? Yeah. And because I'm really direct, I would say. Um, so, but it's in the kindest way. I mean, if I, I we'll just use it, we'll go outside the business. If, if Jess comes in today, and she looks a disaster and she's hungover, but she doesn't drink. So but let's just say that's this example, right? And she's got client meetings today. How how unkind of it is, how unkind would it be of me to not to go to Jess and say, hey, you look a disaster, go take a shower, go get dressed, because otherwise you're gonna hurt your business. And I would I would never let you hurt your business. That's so unkind, that would be so unkind. But I think the key to the way that we love or are kind to people is that we, We've set it up with them. They know our intent. I'm doing what I'm doing for your benefit, not for my benefit, not for the company's benefit. And I'm asking you your permission to be kind to you. And kindness for me means holding you accountable to your grand goals, right? So it's just 
getting the permission to coach this way, but it's a totally different, if I'm direct with you, you know, you know, it's not to hurt you. Like, you know, I'm just trying to be kind and people know that about me. I would say, I mean, they, that if you ask what people know about me, I like to achieve stuff and I'm really, and, I, and kindness is, those are my two biggest things. Plus it's so much easier to take feedback from this space. <laughs> just got a nice face. It's easy to take those words from that face. Well, you know, you think about like the, uh, I've talked with Yannick uh, and my girlfriend about this and, you know, she's from Finland. So there's more directness than there is here in the United States. And particularly, I grew up in the South and California is more or less, you know, overly polite in some ways. So what it makes me think about is like, are you making me feel better in the short term or not telling me what I need to hear? Because yeah, hey, well, you, dude, you're a mess. You need to go home. It's like, well, everybody can see it. So when Kristen calls it out, it's not like she's being mean. It's like, oh, everybody else is seeing it, but you are kind enough to tell me that. That's what that's what I'm starting to think through. It's like, yeah, being polite. What's polite? So like, ignore it. Well, then you're. You, I, th I think that was a great a great example. And I also want to reflect on the idea that I think a lot of salespeople tend to know how they're successful, and and perhaps not so much how a different type of person could succeed. You know, it's like. I know what I do, but it, it may not work at all for somebody else. So it sounds like what, what each of you is doing is meeting people where they are and finding a balance between, look, this is stuff that you've got to do, but how, how can you do it in a way that's, that's you as opposed to pretending you're someone else? I mean, is that is that something you guys think about? I, it's something I think about all the time, uh, particularly because the way I go about work is very different than how my peers do. When you look at the population of people that are in my role, it is still very guy heavy. And so the way that I have to go about um, this might just be a little bit different than my peers. And so um, when you when I think about like equity and inclusion work, you really do have to look at each person in their own circumstances. And, and then I think about like, how do you maximize on what somebody is super awesome at? and really help them hone their skills around that one thing. So like, I think a lot about like how Kristen is the best at showing up in the community. Like she's on literally all the boards for all the things and she's in everyone's space all the time. And because of that, she has now been able to platform a lot of our young advisors in ways that has never happened before. You know, she threads me into so much stuff in our community. You look at our philanthropy work and all of that is because of the way that she interfaces with people and how she's able to show up in like that most maximum awesome way. So we're just, we just take what somebody's the best at and just blow it up. And, and that's gonna be different for literally every person. And I think two, two things. So I think that you also, you have to have a lot of humility around knowing that I don't know what you're the best at. I don't know what your life is like. I don't, from a diverse, from a DE&I perspective, like you have to be humble and know that you're, you're going to be wrong and, and it's okay. And you have to ask a lot of questions. And um, I mean, the thing with Jess and I is we're so similar. So we are not diverse from each other in maybe a little bit in thought. Yeah, sort maybe. of. Um, some stuff, but but I think kind of having that humility. So I'm going to totally tangent off of what she said. You can come back if you want to, Will. But um, but so this is another thing we just we talked about too. So Justin and I work 
together very well. So I've I put in a ton of legwork in the community, right? A lot of time, a lot of energy to be able to to know what's going to work, to get on, um, to to have influence in the community. I put in a lot of work for it. Is the gist of that? A lot of time, a lot of personal time, tons of different things. So, but here's the thing: just because I put in the time, now I can just bring her with me. She gets to come with me because I put the time in. So we were talking about this in 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 the organization that we're a part of as well. Like just isn't like, you know what, I started as an assistant. So you need to start as an assistant. You need to work really hard. Like she paved the way for women in the organization. I helped pave the way for our our company and our advisors. And again, women, because we are in South Dakota. So if there isn't some of the uh, roles that I chair have, have previously not had a woman as a chair. So like you can put the work in and bring people with you and be excited for them. Not like, oh, well, when I... You know, I had to do this and put the time in and no, I already did that. Like I can just bring you with me and you can start right here and we can just move forward together. I mean, so I think some of that attitude too is maybe different than what, how people view things in the past where I did it this way. I had to do it that way. I had to put in the work. You no, know, you could do it different because somebody already did that. So you don't have to now, you know? Yeah, I love that. It's like you're, you're pulling people along and saying, hey, yeah, I don't want you to have to do that. I've already done that or fought that battle. And I mean, Jess, it makes me think of the, you know, an old way of thinking, you know, the, in the industry we, we know about was, okay, you're an assistant or you sell stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so many other things. Um, so I'm curious, like, what are, what are some of the challenges specifically for women who come in to leadership roles and also into, into selling roles? I mean, what are, what are some things that you see that women have to uh, overcome that, that men really don't deal with? I'm going to go first because I've so I'll say, um, I like Jess knows, I feel I got lucky in my leadership journey where I went to a company in my executive roles where a lot of the women were in, in executive roles. So I've never felt really like oppressed or talked over. So when it did happen to me later a little bit, I saw it, I think I maybe saw it different, differently. But so like just an example that I've seen um, this is not in, in the company that we work for. This would just be in the community that, that, you know, and you probably hear about this where a woman will say something and it's like, it's passed over or, or not even a woman, um, even just a person who, who didn't have the experience, right. They're passed over for their opinion, right. Then I, then a, a guy comes in after, and this happens more than you would think and says the exact same thing, even in a, like a less articulate way, but everyone hears it. And it's like, just, just said that, like, how did you not hear that she just said that? So, you know, I mean, a way to be beyond that as a sponsor, like, Will, you're, you're such a great person. I mean, by the way, Will, um, we'll have to raise like $20,000 for our local food bank this year, which was pretty amazing. So he's an amazing guy, but in those cases, right, if you're in the room and you can say, hey, did you, you know what, um, just, just said that, I don't, you, maybe you didn't hear, just, just said that, or just to echo, just, just like just that, you know, so some of those things, but those types of things happen still to this day and probably more, I think, than people realize that they happen. I would say just like the some of the antiquated systems and antiquated ways of thinking um, are barriers. Just when you think about how um, companies are established, especially when you have a really, really rich history like our organization does, that there's just regimented ways of doing things because we've always done it that way and it's worked really well in the past so why would we change um and and that that stagnant thought process is is a really big barrier um to to women and and really i think probably to all people 
because it, it makes it super challenging to move forward. And um, I think that that's probably one of, been one of the largest challenges. You know, when I think about my role and how I came in to be in this space, if I would have said that even maybe a year or two years before it happened, so I was appointed in 2019, if I would have said that even in, in 2018 or 2017, they'd have been like, nah, mm-mm. nope, you were never in a producing role. There's no way you're ever going to be, you're ever going to lead an office or a district. Um, it, and now I, I can say out loud, like, I want to run a firm. And that certainly would have been like an absolute hard no. And so as we evolve, as we change the way that we're thinking, that allows for more people to raise their hands and to say, hey, I've got like this really dope skill set over here. I could be really, really great at this. And then the value of who I'm able to attract to a firm is really different than other people. Who I'm able to grow and develop is really different. And so I think that that is is really fun and exciting, but the old way of thinking gets in the way. Um, And and I think that's probably one of the largest barriers to me, especially right now in the role that I'm in. Um, But But there is change, right? That is the great thing about this is I have seen so much progression, even in the last five years in our organization and here locally, which, you know, again, like we're, we're in South Dakota, so we might be a little bit too slow to move right away, but, <laughs> but we, we have, we've made so much change and that's been really fun and exciting for me. Well, it, you know, you both brought some good points and Kristen, I'm starting to become aware of what you, what you mentioned. I have seen that happen where, the idea that a woman brings up isn't isn't or she might be interrupted or yeah it becomes a man's idea later and, and I think you're right like that's on us as the you know, the men in the room to to speak up and say hey that you know I think Kristen already said that you know or Jess already said that um, and in terms of like the old way of thinking what that makes me think about is you know there's there's certain things that we're not going to get past if we don't do things a new way right if, if it's working over here could it be working better if we did it a little differently and and i know that the style of leadership with the love and kindness that you guys are talking about that you're inspiring men and women to um i mean the alternative is what i've seen is all right you're going to get in this box and you're going to look just like everybody else and you're going to say the same things on social media that everybody else says you're going to have the same thoughts as everybody else and and like that's depressing, you know. And and so, yeah. what I hear you doing is is you're you're balancing individuality with. I mean, what are the like? All right, let's let's think that through. Like, what what about some of the non-negotiables? Like, what do you guys think? Like, you bring from that old way of it's got to be this way. Like, what are the non-negotiables that that uh, advisors, you know, salespeople need to follow? Um, you know, they're just going to have to do no matter what. I mean, high expectations, right? Achievement, high expectations will always be. Communication, having clear communication is something that will always be as well. And, and I think that's, um, with DE and I work, like in, in the organization a little bit, but even in the community, you know, people say, well, I, I'm still gonna have to hold them to the same expectations. Like we're not gonna change everything for this person. That's, no one's asking you to, like the same, the same drive, right? You have to be drive. You have to have drive. You have to be coachable. You have to be entrepreneurial. Like those are still the things that are going to make the person successful, no matter what they look like or where they come from. 
the question is, is have, has the person had the opportunity to, to show you those characteristics based on where they come from? And I'm thinking more um, on an equity standpoint too, like in, in different communities where maybe people haven't seen themselves as a financial, I can say that part, right? Financial advisor, trying to keep it private. Yep. Um, so, I mean, we're still looking for the same characteristics of a person. It just, it just means we might want to look at them different or like, um, okay, so we'll use, we'll use women as an example again. So basic things, right. That we made adjustments five years ago. So uh, men as well, but a lot of the women are the primary caretaker of their kids. So maybe a seven o'clock Monday morning meeting, it, it doesn't work. It, and it's not because the person's lazy. It's because they have to get their kids to school. So let's make that shift there. Um, I think of a couple of women in our organization that do two two-day work weeks, right? And one of them is one of the most successful people in the central region. So she works 8.30 to 5.30 with no interruptions, very hard, very focused work during those two days, takes a day off to be with her daughter before her daughter is um, in, in school, right? So how's that time with her? And then takes, um, then works two, two more days. So that's a she still needs to hit the target. She still needs to hit the numbers. She still has to get referrals, the same amount of referrals as everybody else. So there's still, the action still have to happen. It can just happen different. And the expectation of be here at seven and leave at seven isn't always, I mean, even me, like, um, you know, this morning I worked a couple hours from home and I, I might put in a lot of 12 hour days, but, but, but some days then I, I'll, I do something different because I have my kids. And if I have to leave at three for my kids, I don't want somebody thinking I'm lazy or I'm not working as hard. It's just, that's a day for my family. So I think you can think differently and not drop expectations, which I think is what people fear. Like we're gonna coach to less or I'm gonna have to be really soft on that person. No, the kind thing to do is to hold them to these high expectations and have those standards and still find those characteristics. The, the, those are non-negotiables, but the rest of it should be evolutionary. So that way if the company doesn't change with the times. Like if you look, um, so I, I did a community DEI summit this morning and the buying power. So like the case for business is amazing. The buying power of these different markets is incredible. So if we are not educated, if we do not have representation in those markets as a company, we will not survive. And it's most beneficial to make the changes in this space before we need to. So that way, as you know, the, even in South Dakota, I'm, I'm sorry, I keep going up on tangents, but in 1990, right, the state of South Dakota, our high school population was 90, I think it was 96% white, right? Now it's a few years later and it is 60% white. And in five years, it will be almost 70% non-white. So the buying power and the markets are changing. And if we're not evolving with it and really and digging in to see how we can attract different people, coach people based on how they need to be coached, but still have high expectations, our company won't survive. So, I mean, that's the importance of the work. I don't know what your question was. I obviously went off again. <laughs> Like I do, but I just get really passionate because I, it is, we want no, to be an amazing company, right? And we are, we are, we are awarded as one of the best places for diversity in so many categories. Our CEO just won a big award for diversity and inclusion work as well. So we're on the front line, like the forefront of making this happen. And we just need everyone to get on board so we can continue to be the number one in so many things and become the number one in the things we're not number one in, um, but also do what's right for our kids and our communities too, so. Everything that she just said. Yeah, that was that was really good. Yeah, I know. I, you know what? I, I was thinking about that. Um, I'm glad you brought that up about families, Kristen, because I've actually heard people say things over the years like, well, 
you know, you can either be a mom or you can work here, but you can't do both. You can't build a business to be a mom and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, what you're saying is, okay, there are expectations, but it's, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit too much of the old way to say, if you're not at this 7 a.m. meeting, then, you know, you're not part of the, part of it. And so what you're, what you're saying is, you know, by working with people where they are and being flexible and helping, and, and that was an example of perhaps people saying, hey, we were wrong about that. That's not right. We shouldn't be doing it that way. And now we're changing, right? As a locally there and around the country, that starts to, to get better. Um, are you see, I'm just curious about something. I know this has been an issue for years. Um, you know, the, the male advisors connect with the husband and the couple and the, the, um, the, the spouse who they didn't connect with, uh, the, the wife in many cases, doesn't have a relationship. And when the husband's had the picture, they don't want to work with him anymore because he ignored her for 30 years. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I know that's the thing. Is that, is that something that, that you guys um, are helping equip the, the male reps to, to not be that way? <laughs> so in our selection process, we bring everybody in. So, so from the very beginning of when we are courting somebody for a career opportunity, we're making a, a really consorted effort to get to know people. And then we're trying to do incredibly inclusive things for those that are already here so that we have an opportunity to make sure that they feel part of our family. Like if we're, if I'm, I'm with you and you're with your husband as a client. Oh, as a client? Are you talking about client relationships? Well, no, I, I was, but you're bringing up something important too, because I've seen it where if somebody comes in and starts a business and their significant other isn't supportive, they're screwed. Like it's not going to happen. And so if you ignore that person and don't bring, so yes, I'm glad you brought that up. And I was thinking about that the, from a client standpoint too. I mean, you're basically modeling it because of how you treat candidates, it sounds like. You, but, um, there's, a, I don't know the stat, so I'll probably misquote it. So don't quote me on this, but there's, um, I want to say it's like 60, we got it this morning at that thing. It's like 60% or 70%. Even So if you're meeting with a couple, the woman has more power a lot of times than, even if she's not the one, it, it doesn't matter who's making the money. The woman has the most influence. So if you're not bringing, I mean, I think that's just a conversation. Hey, you want to close business, make sure to talk to both parties. But that used to be a thing. Um, I don't know that we've, we've talked about it and we think it's funny. So hopefully it's like something that's so antiquated that it's not happening anymore, but maybe it is where, um, I mean, the, you know, you hear the old story of the financial advisor meeting with the couple, just looking at the dude or the man and uh, not looking at the woman, right? Not making eye contact. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Hopefully we're, because we do talk about it as a joke. So hopefully we're so far beyond that. Now, but maybe we're not. And I mean, if it's still, maybe we're not, I don't know. But, but yes, we do talk about it because I think it's funny that that used to be the way that it was. I mean, women have higher buying power right now and, and we live longer. So, yep. right? Like, so if, if we're going to outlive our, our, our spouses or our partners, um, what does that look like? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the money when my husband dies. So why would you not want to form a relationship with me? But I think it's, <laughs> if I said to you, to you, well, you know, um, you're going to buy, you're going to buy a house, right? And you and your wife go look at a house or you and your whatever, go look at a house. You and your husband go look at a house. You and your girlfriend, whatever, right? If you get home, who's going to have the most influence? So like if you, if I was talking with you and I, and I felt like this was an issue and I said, okay, so will you and your 
girlfriend go out, you're going to buy a home and you get home. Do you just say, you know what, we're going to buy that home? Or does she have more influence over you? And I would say most of the men in our office would say, oh yeah, um, my girlfriend, my fiance, my wife, my partner. Yeah, they would have more influence than I would have in that decision. It's the same. It's the exact same thing here. If you don't look at them, they're going to leave and she's going to have an opinion. So it's this, if you want happy, happy wife, happy life, happy partner, happy life. So I think just remembering I mean, we do talk about it, but I guess it's so ingrained in our nature to talk about that I haven't thought about it separately till you till right now. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's it it, it does still happen, and you know, I'll give you an example. It's, it's sometimes what will happen is, you know, the husband's like, oh, you know, she doesn't want to, she doesn't participate in these conversations, whatever, or you know, she, it doesn't interest her. So then one day is like, hey, we totally get that. Um, can you can you bring you know Rebecca just to the next call just so we all know each other. Well, then it turns out that, you know, like we already knew she is in charge. When that doesn't happen, what do they do? They come back and they say, oh, my wife, yeah, she didn't like the idea. I was like, well, because we never met her, right? So, um, and, you know, on the opposite of that, um, my ex-wife and I were looking at windows. And I'm like, I don't care about that. Like, I care about that less than anybody in the history of the world. So she's got the window people over in her house. And they're like, where's your husband? She's like, look, uh, you're dealing with me. And they're like, where's your husband? We need him to be here. And she's like, no, you don't understand. He does not care. Come over. And we're... Anyway, they wouldn't come over. So she didn't do business with them, right? So so I think in that case, like not only was, so I did not need to be there when those guys were like, oh, the man must be here to buy the windows. Like, nope, sorry, Steve. That's not how this was going down. So I think it's like, um, it, at the very least mentioning it, right? Because otherwise um, I think that, or, or the um, not taking the, or talking down, I've heard this, I've heard, um, I know I'm going on a tangent, but I've had clients that came to us from other advisors and it was something like, you know, he talked down to me, he was condescending, he tried to complicate things. And, you know, so it's like, I, I think there are still people not not helping themselves. And, and, you know, the good news is, I think from the way you guys are positioning it, <laughs> it makes us all a bit more competitive in the marketplace to know that, you know, rep, uh, clients are still uh, dealing with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a, a real, a real piece when you're thinking, especially about like the younger generations, right? So how, how in our households even we function. And, and maybe that's why we're not thinking about it as much. You know, like, so, so you mentioned a couple of things, like, right, like being a, a successful business owner and being in this business and being a mom and being in this business and being a spouse and being in this business and being the person who makes financial decisions. Uh, we're all of that, right? Like we, we live in all of those spaces. And so yeah. I think also having women on your leadership team who exude all of the things that you were just talking about creates a different dynamic in your work environment. Because now all of the advisors that work with us see it in real life all the time. They see it in action, they see it in practice. So it's not this weird pie in the sky idea that that there's gonna be a, a powerful woman who's going to be in charge of the financial relationship and still be a boss mom and still be awesome at owning their own business. Cause they're, they're literally watching it happen in front of their eyes. That's so good. You're right. It's, it's, it's there and, and you got, it's a point where it's just known and it's part of the culture. I mean, talk about some great changes that you guys have all made in the last few years that hopefully will be a model for others in other parts of the country that, that may not have caught up, you know? And um, well, as we get ready to wrap up, any final, uh, Kristen, you mentioned you love reading books and, and anything you guys want to reference. Uh, 
as we as we wrap up any books you like any any other things that help you um you know continue to grow as leaders so I, yeah I'm, I'm like a book junkie i will say that when i say i read books i i listen to books on audible at two mm -hmm. times speed thank you scott wedge for showing me how to do two times the speed thing because it has been life-changing and then the house can if you if you really want to remember something you just tell your house to you know uh, Google Home, screenshot that, screenshots it for you, and then you can go and take notes later. So it's just been a great, it's been great. Um, favorite habits, I would say, I mean, I'm like really junk, junkie to out right now on, on habits. I have the James Clear book, and then Brennan Bucard writes a book called um, High Performance Habits that I that I love because it's science-based habit formation, not, it's not anecdotal, like um, really successful. I do get up at 4.30, but that's not science. Some people get up at 10. There's no scientific reason to get up at 4.30, if, if, unless that's the choice you're making for habit performance, um, but but it's really good. So I I would say if you are looking at reading something and the high performance habits helps you with leadership. I mean, it gives you a lot of ideas. Um, okay, I, I'm gonna, I won't tangent because I know we have time, but this is something that has been really helpful for me from, I wanna say it's from that book. Um, I'm kind of on cycling three because I don't want to start anything new at this very second, but it is about showing up, right? So before you meet with somebody that you lead, before you show up into a meeting, you taking it, setting intent, right? So taking a breath, taking a pause, even um, he says to do it every hour. So take a breath, take a pause and say, okay, we're, we're going to go meet with Will. How can I best show up for Will? What does Will need from me in this meeting? And go in with that intent, knowing what how you want to show up for someone and what you think they, they might need so you're fully present with them and you can give them what they need not what you need from them and I think that's been really helpful for leadership but also just as a like with my kids with my husband trying to really show up for people as they would need me to I also listen to things uh on audible because I don't have time to read read um I, I read a little bit more for leisure than Kristen does. And so it's unproductive. It, yeah. <laughs> I just listened to the Matthew McConaughey book and I really enjoyed listening to him narrate his own story. Um, I actually think that would have been a hot mess to try and read in a book itself. Um, but, but I think it was a really enjoyable um, piece to listen to. And he said something that I thought was really interesting that I actually took away into one of our client builders, which was that to be successful, you only need one in a row, like one thing in a row to be great at. And, and he talked about it in the context of all right, all right, all right. Like the first time he was ever on screen, those are the first words he ever muttered. And it took him one time in a row to become a movie star. And I think about that a lot as it relates to our business, like one time in a row for you to crush at something. Um, and so I think that that is, that's a really great takeaway. I love Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, because it's something that each one of us can continue to build over the course of our lifetime. And building a skill set is something that's incredibly important, um, not only in this work, but I think as being a partner, being a friend, being a parent. Um, and then Lavia Jehi, uh, who is a wonderful activist and author, um, she just wrote a second book and it is hysterical. So if you have not looked up Lavia Jehi, um, take, take a gander. She's real great. What are you reading, Will? You know, uh, so Adam Grant's book, Think Again, was a really great one about, you know, evaluating how we think and why we think and being open to not being right. Then he rec recommends a bunch. One of them was High Conflict by Amanda Ripley, which is about, 
essentially healthy conflict and how to avoid the kind that just divides us further and further, but productive conflict being necessary. And then the latest one is the scout mindset, which is similar. Um, and it, it's actually quite interesting about um, how to communicate uncertainty where it's appropriate um, and to, it's, it's all similar stuff, like evaluate why do you think certain things and be open to, to other ideas. I think we're all, uh, we're all reading some of the same uh, same stuff. A lot of and, and, and like you guys, I tend to use Audible a good bit as well, especially when I'm driving. But this has been great. I appreciate you ladies being on here with us today. And uh, at the Crusheration Podcast, we've got uh, crusheration.com is our website. We put out all kind of stuff that doesn't exist yet, but when you listen to it, it will. And you're going to like liking it. I appreciate you guys both uh, sharing your wisdom with us here this morning. Thanks, Will. It was awesome. It was. And you're so amazing. I mean, I just want to reiterate that again, that so Will, we are really philanthropic in our office and Will saw us do something um, on Facebook. I think you saw us getting, uh, I was getting slimed for, yep, for, yep. for kids, right? For kids. Um, and, you know, Will identified it and, and reached out and said, hey, if you can raise $5,000, I will match that in your office. And then our managing partner's like, well, I'll match that as well. And then through the organization that we're a part of, we get some um, of our home office match. And when I was talking to Will, I mean, he did this for the country. So he identified these different markets, people that really needed help that were hungry in the country and reached out to them to help them. And Will did this all over. I mean, it's really trying to start and did start a movement within our organization to help the people that really needed help. Our company had a, had a very good year. It was a representing year. Um, and our responsibility when we do well to give back to others should hopefully be part of, you know, ingrained in us as humans, especially if we're, that's who we try to recruit is good people that want to do, do good in the world. And you, I mean, you started a movement. So Will is, a, he crushes in his business. He crushes <laughs> in his podcast. He crushes all around. And when it comes to, I mean, who does that around the country? That's amazing. That's like a big, that's just amazing. I mean, if you didn't know the people, you don't live in those places, you just wanted to inspire people to give. And I just think that's incredible. So that's a story that should be told. We should do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> Pretty incredible. On how you start caring for people. Mm -hmm. yep. You guys, you know, I appreciate that. I mean, generosity is a big thing. And I was, I was moved to help people, uh, you know, uh, food banks around the country. And we have the opportunity again this year with that same match. And yeah, Kristen, I saw on Facebook, uh, so you're doing a great job with another fundraiser and you guys were willing to do this after having already done something. So that was, that was awesome. And I think we can all encourage each other. I think people want to be generous and having uh, ideas of how to do it. I think people will get behind it. So uh, it's good to be aligned with other people that want to do good stuff. And that's, uh, that's what you guys are doing there. So thank you. Thank you. We'll do this again sometime. This was too much fun. <laughs> well, it's fun. Um, thank you so much, Will. You're so great.